0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to
2: continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom
0: Home and Home. Yeah, yeah, it is a finished strong Friday edition of a Home and Home here on Radio.com Sports, the Radio.com app, Ross Tucker Jason Mertitas, we are with you and we are talking about all things sports television today. Would you rather go to the game or would you rather watch it from your couch? And do you really care who the broadcaster is when you're watching a game? Does it actually make a difference in whether or not You will watch that contest. I'm Ross Tucker. He is Jason Mertides. We are with you until 1030 a.m. Eastern time. We've got a couple of TV on sports gurus, Michael McCarthy and Jimmy Traynor that will join us later. We also will have a millennial segment where we'll find out how wrong they are on yet another topic, the young people (laughs) of America. This one is sports television Maybe they can teach a couple old guys like me and Jason uh, some new tricks. Jason, I notice I like it with the theme of home and home that you are home today. I see many leather bound books in the background.
1: Ah, uh, Yeah, I've finally embraced the home and home theory and stayed home. So you're in Harrisburg. I'm in Westchester outside of Philadelphia. And it's nice. I like being at home. This is a little different than driving in the
0: center city. Okay, so, it, I, so so now that I got the full shot, that's actually like a really, really weak bookshelf, dude. Like, I was yeah, only getting the corner floating. of it, and I thought it was like, all, I thought everything to the left of you, your right, was like books and books. And then when we actually show it, that is the wimpiest, weakest, saddest bookshelf I've ever seen. Well, what just, is the purpose of that thing? It's just a
1: float. I don't even know if the books are real, to be honest with you. And my closet's right there, by the way. <laughs> um, no, it's just this is where my wife works. This is her workspace. So when she does, she does all of her meetings on Zoom because she works 100 percent remote. So when they they just see the part there, that's that's a good job by me. I didn't waste any extra space doctoring up a fake
0: set at home. That is and my funny, my
1: closet door right now.
0: All right, so let me ask you this, though. In all sincerity, I have a strong opinion on this. When's the last time that you read a book?
1: Um, The last time might be the first time. I haven't read a book since probably high school and maybe early in high school. Maybe like the Canterbury Tales by Chaucer when I went to Malvern in like eighth grade, probably. (laughs) I was never much of a reader. I'm reading disabled. So I, I have, uh, in high school, I, I, in high school, you were just HD. like
0: straight Cliff Notes.
1: No, I just made it up as I went along. I didn't even go Cliff Notes. I didn't read the Cliff Notes. You had to read more. Wow, you didn't even read the Cliff Notes, and how? What? What did you get on your like English tests? As long as I could hear something, I could learn it. So, I I'm an auditory learner, uh, but I've I have mild forms of dyslexia, and so I was I was technically reading disabled, and I just, I got ADHD. I can't concentrate on reading a book. I I retain nothing when I read a book.
0: Wow. That's interesting because I, if I read something, it is over now. I don't think I'm the fastest reader. I'm like a thorough reader, but if I read something, I remember that like forever. I remember my freshman year at Princeton I had read the media guide from the year before, you know, the yearbook, the media guide or whatever. So, and especially after I committed there, I probably read it, you know, a couple times flip through it to see the guys on the team, where they're from. We would be on away games because my freshman year, every game was an away game because they tore down Palmer stadium and they were building our new stadium. So every week, we were on these long bus rides to Cornell and Dartmouth or whatever. And the guys were amazed, Jason. I knew, first of all, not only did I know all of their names, which is kind of rare when you're a true freshman and there's a hundred guys on the team. I knew where all of them were from, what high school they went to. And they just couldn't believe it. Cause a lot of these guys, like they knew each other for years and they couldn't name it on the spot like that. So they'd be like, Talk, talk, Ross, 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 do him, do him. And I'd be like, uh, that's Mike Thomas, uh, Michael Thomas. He is from Hickory, North Carolina. By the way, Michael Thomas, I think, was the fourth or fifth string center. I think he was no. a walk-on, and he really is from Hickory, North Carolina. And that's one of my frustrations in life. We really, like if God was ever going to redesign us, We got to have a delete button somewhere or an eject button for information in your brain that is just such a waste that you don't need it all. Because I'd love to get rid of that and, like, learn some new stuff. Like, I don't need that anymore.
1: Yeah, but your brain power is infinite. You have infinite brain space, don't you? Because you're still remembering things. Like, if you looked at a dinner menu last night, could you remember everything that was on it? All the things you considered?
0: It's not taking Um, up that
1: space from you.
0: I I would remember a decent amount. Yeah. Like they, I, people say, I don't think this is true, but they say that I have like a borderline photographic memory. I don't Mm. think that's true. I just think I have a really, really good memory if I, if I read something. But here's my point. Here's my question to you, okay? Who has time? To read books nowadays, like no matter what industry you are in, okay, there's always so much new information and so many periodicals and the internet that I don't know how you ever have time to actually read a book or or that or at least that that's the most efficient usage of your time like right now right there's never a time where on my phone i don't have at least five or six web browsers open and mm-hmm. usually it's more than that right so i have one that i haven't read it's been open for weeks what's the best streaming service for a sports fan 2020 edition From Awful Announcing. I haven't read that yet. Very relevant for our conversation today. Uh, Next one from Vox. Daily, um, the growth of daily, the rise of daily fantasy and sports betting has created an economy of its own. Haven't read that. Uh, Men's health. What's the difference between a cold or allergies? That's just, I was just curious about that one. On the road again from The Athletic, one day in the life of an NFL area scout. From Bo Wolf, who covers the Eagles. I haven't read that yet. Pro football talk. NFL expects huge cash influx from next wave of TV deals. Again, very relevant for my job, the show we're talking about today. Which, by the way, the projections are that it's about $880,000 per player. Wow. So 3.2 billion in total dollars, a hundred million each team that comes out to the 48.5 percent, 880,000 dollars per player. Let's go ahead and turn that thing down. Uh, 2020 NFL combine offensive lineman running backs work out Friday just to see like who I should be paying attention to tonight. Sure. My point is right. My point is I never get to the bottom of the web browsers. And I read a lot. Like I read at night when I go to bed, and when I'm on the elliptical. Like this morning, I did 25 minutes on the stepper, 30 minutes on the bike. Not to brag or anything. Um, and I was reading, Humble or brag. at least on my laptop the entire time. Okay, but I still didn't get all the way to the bottom. So like a book, a book. Like I, I. To me, I feel like if I read a book. The book is from a while ago. Like, I got shit I need to read now, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got shit I need to read for tomorrow, or I need to read for next week or for my life now. Like, what book am I going to read? Nancy well, Drew? My- Huckleberry? Well, what, about- like, what the hell book am I going to read?
1: But there's new books out, Ross. They're still writing books. They didn't stop writing books at the turn of
0: the century. With Mark okay, Dwayne. but give me give me give me an give me an example of a book I should read. Like I get American. sent books, right? I get sent books like Tom Coughlin, you know, Earn the Right to Win, or mm. you know Gary Myers, and I love these guys. Like, I, I, and I would love to read that book. I'll put it on my list for when I'm seventy-four, or maybe maybe if I'm on like a week-long beach vacation. But even then, I'm keeping up to date with what's going on in the world, and I'm reading stuff off my phone. It interests you more. It interests you.
1: Like, th- one thing you'll never hear me say, like, I always I always have these little phrases I get said, no one ever. Like, I've never said, and I, and I despise people who say, well, the book was better than the movie. Bullshit. A book is never better than the movie. You know what I mean? For me, because I can't pay attention to the book. I'd rather just sit down in a really comfortable couch, chill out and watch the movie. Why put in work? Why do I need to work to be entertained? The book is never better than the movie for me. So it's kind of like what we're talking about in sports today is being there live better than, you know, watching it on TV. I can be really comfortable at home or I can be jammed into a seat at the stadium and sit in traffic and pay inflated, inflated prices for a beer and a hot dog or a soft pretzel. But no, I, the reading thing, it just loses me. Now I know a lot of people are into these books on tape. Have you tried that for like a long drive?
0: Uh, my wife does that. My wife has a long commute to work every day and she mm-hmm. listens to books on tape and loves them. I, I always mess with her though. Cause she says she reads the book. She's like, uh, yeah, I read that book. I'm like, when did you read that book? I'm next oh, to you in bed at She listened night.
1: to the book.
0: She, um, she, she's like, the book on tape. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. That's can't not can't reading rent. the book. That is not reading the book. That is listening to the book, which is well, that, acceptable. Fraud. But, dude, she loves it. That's all she does. I got her. I forget subscription is one thing. All She, she never listens to me. She doesn't care about me. She listens to books on tape up and back like to the point where she'll get in the driveway sometimes like in the garage and she'll sit there for a little bit to like and finish the out. chapter or to yeah. finish whatever. Um, Cliffhangers. You bring up a good point though about TV. Now I will say most people will tell you if they did take the time to read a book, they enjoy that. Number one. And number two, it is always going to be better than the movie for someone that took the time to read the book. Because the book's always going to have so much greater detail than the movie. You know, like, a book would be like a 15-hour movie. A movie they cut down to an hour and a half, so there's always going to be greater detail. But I'm with you. I don't have time for that. We do have a couple of very interesting questions, though, that I want to get into. Today is all about sports on television, The first 14 minutes, me me ranting about books notwithstanding. And our first question is an interesting one, the poll question, which is, do the broadcasters make a difference in whether or not you watch a game? Now, he is at Jason Mert, M-Y-R-T on Twitter. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. The show is at R-D-C, home and home. Do the broadcasters make a difference in whether or not you watch a game? Jay, I'll start with you before I even get to the poll results. What did you answer? Yes or no and why?
1: Uh, well, because of what we do for a living, sometimes most of the time we have to watch the game, so I can't I don't know if I could say I don't watch a game because so and so's on it. If it's a purely pleasure situation where it's not for preparation for what we do for a living, then then yeah it does affect whether I'll watch it. And there are certain guys that when they're on games, if I have to watch it, I'm miserable because they're doing the game or uh, I will turn it off. There's there's just guys that I can't stand the way they call a game. Um, and it's weird because some of them I liked it one time, but don't like anymore. But it absolutely affects my enjoyment of a game without question. That's it's not even close. And a lot of times it's because, Ross, when you hear a certain announcer on an NFL game, the game Feels like a donkey game if you get announcer crew D, but if you get you know the the Buck and Aikman team, you know it's a big game. You're going, oh, this is, it's got a feel to it. You're going, this is Eagles Cowboys or this is you know Packers Rams, the big game, Bears you know Vikings, the big game just because of the announcers feels bigger because they're doing the game. But when I turn it on and I see, you know and not to disparage Chris Myers, he sucks, Um, and Tiki Barber, the Barber twins, when they're doing a game, it's like Carolina versus, you know, the Giants, and they're both got three wins through week 12. And I go, this game sucks. And there's nothing that they they can't polish that turd because it's just a a crappy game. So it affects me a lot, Um, and there's a lot of guys that I don't like. And there's some announcers that are extremely popular that I don't like. They're just, they just stop my cup of tea. Like Doc Emmerich is a guy that does, does hockey. He's the, the number one hockey guy in the United States. And I don't enjoy his call. He's a really nice man. I know him personally, but I don't like the way he calls a game. Um, so it, it annoys me, but I don't turn it off a lot because I'm a junkie, but I, it does affect my enjoyment
0: of the sport for sure. Okay. So number one for me, the answer is No. If I'm watching a game, I'm watching a game because I want to see those two teams play. I'm not going to watch it because there's a certain announcer. And I'm not going to not watch it because there's a certain broadcaster. So that's number one for me. Now, I think some are better than others for sure. Um, And I happen to really like Doc Emmerich. Like he gets me. And, I, and I've and i heard people say that he calls the game on television like he's doing radio. Very descriptive, and that, yeah. And that some people don't like that. For me, I, I think it's magnificent, and he gets me pumped up. One of the things that you said, which is very true, but I don't like it, is that you said, you know, if it's the number one crew, then you know it's a big game if it's a number 4 or 5 crew then it's like ah it's a donkey game you know i that's because of their roles in other words i don't i don't personally think the number 1 color guy or number 1 play by play guy is necessarily the best for all the networks at all not at all but you're right that it does feel like a bigger game when it's Nance, Romo, or whoever, Buck Aikman, but that's because they're the number one team, so they always put them on those games. I don't think mm-hmm. that they're necessarily each individual guy or even as a team that they're really the number one team. Okay. Like, I think well, some, of, I think some of like the right? four and five crews are, are really good. They just – it's tough for them to move up. You know, they just – these other guys are kind of entrenched. yeah, and it's sometimes a lot of times it's just name brand recognition, which is another question I would have, which is, does that matter to you? like how how good of a player the guy was, or how well known the player is? Do you take notice to that?
1: Um, I guess initially, you do because it's human nature, right? If you watch a guy, you're gonna value someone's opinion more that you saw play really great and have a great career. Cause you're going to go, well, he was a good player. So he, I trust what he's saying more than I trust some guy who was just, you know, wasn't very good. But a lot of times the guys that aren't very good make better announcers because they can elite athletes. Don't make like the best of the best in any sport. Don't make two things. They don't make good coaches and they don't make good announcers. Well, why is that? Because they could never explain why they did the things they did. They just were so great that it was, you know, it's just it's something that they had in their brain. They don't have to explain how they saw that guy out of the corner of his eye to be able to throw that pass. Th- that was just a, a gift they were given. It's the guys who had to work their rear ends off to get everything they had in sports and had to pay attention to every little detail in, 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 in their craft and they're the ones that notice all the things when they're, you know, an analyst on a game. Like in football, it is true. And this is this is not just because I'm doing the show with you, but linemen are the best analysts in football. Well, why is that? Because it all starts there. And if you don't get that, and a lineman sees everything, and a lineman also has to know, like an offensive lineman also has to know the job of everybody else on the offense. So that's why he's a great analyst. Analyst because he knows every element of it. It's rare that a really good player in sports also makes a good coach because they can't tell players, you know, they just had this innate ability and guys that had to really work hard or weren't that good. Look at the best coaches in the league. Who, who of them was a great player? None. Look at any sport, you know, guys have tried in the NBA and the Wayne Gretzky tried to coach in the NHL. He couldn't coach his way out of a wet paper bag because he couldn't tell a player, how he was able to make that pass because he saw the guy's reflection on the glass and he made the pass. That's how he knew he was there. You know, there's the instinctual thing. You can't coach that. Those guys have it. So they can't coach it. And the same thing goes when they're calling a game.
0: Yeah. I, 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 I find first of all, a lot of times they're really elite guys made so much money and it comes so naturally to them that, they think that that's going to be the case for broadcasting, and it's not. I I know when I'm watching a game, all I care about is who does the best job. And I'm obviously biased. I wasn't a great player, right? But all I care about is who does the best job of describing what is going on during the game. Because after they show the guy, like after we do our opening on camera, like, Hey, welcome to Lincoln Financial Field or whatever. After that, a lot of times you don't even see the guy again. Yeah. So who cares who it is like, or what the like, like who is describing what I'm watching the best. So here is the vote so far, Jason, over 1100 votes. I'll refresh it right now. Over 1100 votes. 61% say, no, it doesn't make a difference. Wow. 38.8% say, yes, it does make a difference. We got a lot of responses. Brad Perry says, no, but it does determine if the game will be on mute or not. You can watch a game on mute? Hmm. I've never done that. This is a Browns account says, watch, no, listen, absolutely. By game five of the Indians Cubs World Series, I couldn't take Joe Buck filleting Kyle Schwarber anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, they always
1: think think that the announcers hate their team in the NFL,
0: (laughs) you know, because God forbid they're not homers. Right. It's so funny. So. Seven McKidney says, not until this year's Monday Night Football. They were so bad it became unwatchable. Um, No, but it is appreciated. They make a difference whether or not I have sound on while I watch. No, but when Romo was on, I feel better about watching it. Um, No, but they can make a difference in whether or not you enjoy the game, which I think is where you come in.
1: Yeah, that's exactly where I am. You know, the funny thing, too, is when Romo first started, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of torn. I'm like, wow, this is so different because he wasn't following the, um, the, the structured, you know, you have your play-by-play guy, and then you have your analyst. He was kind of just going off whenever he sees this, he says it. And you got to credit Jim Nance because there, I think one of the reasons why Romo has been so successful and why so many people like him, and not everybody does, is because Jim Nance has taken a step back and let Tony shine with the things that he's great at. And that's obviously play recognition, describing the scene and circumstance and what's going to be coming. And clearly he has done his homework because his prognostication ability is through the roof. So at first, though, it was kind of like, hmm, I don't know about this. Is this going to work? Because it sounded different than any other broadcast uh, than straight guy, you know, Yeah, Aikman, back to pass, you know, the old summer all days. And then John Madden coming, "Ah, boom, you know, and all that. So it's different, but it's great. And maybe it took a little time for people to kind of understand what Romo was doing. But I think you got to give a ton of credit to Jim Nance for stepping back and let Tony Romo be Tony Romo.
0: Yeah, you know what else I think helped Romo? That he never did it before. And that he didn't really follow conventional wisdom or what you're taught to do. Like you're taught to not really talk before the play because you want to allow the play-by-play guy to set up the play, especially in radio. But even in television, you want to let the play-by-play guy set up the play Romo just goes Romo. And also you don't want to step on the play-by-play guy. So, a lot of times, the play-by-play guy is setting up the play. They're Nate. They got three receivers to the right, you know, single back. And so, you don't want to be like, I think they're going to blitz here, you know, like because what if you talk when he's talking? So, if anything, because of Romo, I have been more frequently saying stuff before the play but I still kind of give a hand signal to the play-by-play guy like let me get in here, you know, like I, I got something if you if you get a chance to finish your sentence setting up the play, I got something interesting. But Romo, it's almost like he didn't know that he didn't know any better. So he would just say what he was thinking before the play and people loved it because he was directing their eyes and he was basically talking through what he would be thinking if he was the quarterback right then, yeah. which was awesome. And people loved it because it's like, okay, now I know what Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz is thinking right now, what they are looking at, or at least what they should be looking at. But before that, you're always told, don't really talk before the play. Let the play by play guy set it up.
1: Yeah, what he did, it was, you know, we're all voyeurs. We we see all these things in today's society that are successful because they peel back the curtain, right, and, and especially in sports because as sports fans, we all want to put our head in the helmet in a way to know what the quarterback's thinking, what he's seeing. And Tony goes, you know, oh, look, oh, Jim, look here, the safety's moving down now. He's going to have to get the ball out quick to his hot receiver on the left side, and that's going to be Jason Witten, you know, whatever it might be. And so what Romo has done is he's taken the viewer – and putting their head in the helmet. And now you go, oh, my God, he's right. Look at this. And then, and then to watch it, and then the credibility has to come in, right? He has to be right a lot for you to really buy it. And Tony Romo's hit rate has been through the roof. Because now, now you see the safety come down. He goes, look at the safety's coming down. It's going to be a zero blitz. And then he's going to have to get the ball out right away, or he's going to have to check this off to a run. And then it happens. And then when that repeatedly happens, now I'm going, now I'm not just watching the game with Tony Romo. I'm experiencing the game because Romo has peeled back the curtain, put my eyes and head inside that helmet. And I've never been in there before. I was never an NFL quarterback. And I kind of like being an NFL quarterback now. Like, this is cool to see these things. And what he's done as well, Ross, is he's educated people an insane amount to the, to the intricacies of playing the position and playing the game. And, it, it, and it's on both sides of the ball. Because he's explaining it from a quarterback perspective, he's also explaining it from a defensive perspective because the cause and effect of what the defense does affects the quarterback. So it educates people a ton, and I think it's been incredible. And, and you're right. He, skipped, he either went to broadcast boot camp and fell asleep or he just skipped going to broadcast boot camp because he's not following the traditional mold of you know, play-by-play guy and analyst, and it's been really refreshing
0: been awesome um it's been awesome my big thing is i just want to hear that you love it i want to be able to tell when you're doing a game that you realize how fortunate you are to be doing it and that you are having the time of your life and you love it and i definitely get that from romo quite a bit romo maybe he takes five hour energy before the games five hour energy whether you're traveling. Or after lunch, you're not alone if you get that 2.30 feeling. In fact, research shows that more than 70% of us hit the wall after lunch. Let a five-hour energy shot help you leap over that wall instead of crashing into it. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. With zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size, it's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hardworking people. Now it comes in two great extra strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They are delicious and can take you to a tropical on the go experience. Five hour energy shot can help you stay alert, energized wherever you may be headed. Mike McCarthy does a terrific job. Michael McCarthy for front office sports. He's next here on home and home. Well, if you're going to do a whole show, Focused on sports on TV. You absolutely, at some point in that show, have to talk with Michael McCarthy. He has been everywhere covering sports on television, sporting news, USA Today, Sports Illustrated, the New York Times. Now he's doing it for frontofficesport.com. You can check him out on Twitter at McCarthy. R.E.V. Michael McCarthy, Michael, it's Ross Tucker, and it is Jason Mertides here on Home and Home, a Radio.Com Sports Original. Really appreciate the time and you coming on the show. I guess we'll start with your news, you know, during in January about Tony Romo and what ESPN might offer him in terms of a contract. Jason and I were debating whether or not the broadcaster really has an impact as to whether or not people watch. So my question for you is, and I don't think it has that much of an impact, if any, do the networks feel like broadcasters affect ratings? And if the answer is no, then why do they pay them so much? I would put it this way. Nobody tunes into
3: an NFL game for the announcer. Uh, They tune in for the game and to watch the action. Having said that, a bad announcer can cast a pall over your entire network. Uh, I just uh, throw out Exhibit A, Jason Witten on Monday Night Football. Uh, If you think ESPN liked getting mocked on social media every Monday night because Jason Witten was so robotic, and put his foot in his mouth so many times, you're crazy. So I, I think a good announcer enhances a broadcast, but a bad announcer uh, uh, puts a stain over your entire network.
1: Well, if that's the case, Mike, um, to be going to the lengths that it seemingly CBS is going and is going to go to retain Tony Roman, I'm assuming they have a, a, a last right of refusal or a right to match in that's the contract they, situation. They yeah. Uh, so, so when I look at that and I go, well, well, if that's the case then, and if it doesn't move the needle from a rating standpoint, and we all know that ratings dictate revenue. Then why are they willing to go so far to keep Tony Romo when they could probably find another quarterback that isn't going to kill their Q rating as a network or cast that Paul over them, but maybe not going to give you as much as Romo does. And the buzz that Romo has generated. Yeah.
3: I, I- I think there's uh, several uh, parts to the answer. One is it's not just a question of ratings. I mean, when CBS or ESPN are uh, starting on announcers, they have to satisfy several stakeholders. One, of course, is the v- viewing audience, us. But two is the league. They're competing for the best games, the best schedules, the most Super Bowls. So they have to satisfy the Jerry Jones and the Roger Goodells of the world. There's several stakeholders. Take uh, ESPN, for example. This is a no-brainer for Jimmy Pitaro. They've had the worst schedule, the worst announced team, and until recently the worst relationship with the NFL. Well, you signed Tony Romo. You help solve all those problems at once. He's you know, practically a son to Jerry Jones. He's uh, hailed as the top announcer in the world, and they'd probably get a Super Bowl out of it.
0: Wow, Michael, that's that's very interesting. What about name recognition? How important, in your opinion, is name recognition? Because this is another one where, for me, once the game's on, I just want whoever's going to describe the game the best. I don't really care if you went to 20 Pro Bowls or none.
3: Yeah, name recognition is very important. I mean, I know you guys have been uh, all over the sports TV business, so you know what I'm going to say. But there's very few announcers who can move the needle with the public the way Tony Romo has. I mean, I have to go back to to John Madden to have that kind of reaction from the public. So, you know what I mean? Ninety-nine percent of the time, people don't give a damn about the announcers. Like you said, they just want somebody to get out of the way and describe the game well and maybe teach them something along the way. But Romo seems to have struck a chord with the public in a way I really haven't seen in 15 years.
1: Mike, the interesting thing to me, though, is initially when Tony Romo started because he doesn't fit into the cookie cutter um, analyst chair like a lot of guys do. They come in and they do it the way they saw it growing up and where it's where it's announcer, play by play guy, analyst, very rigid. Romo has come in and put a flow to it and done his own thing, been way outside the box in his approach. And and we were talking before you came on, you got to credit Jim Nance, who's a venerable broadcaster for allowing Tony to be Tony. But initially, a lot of people were turned off by Tony Romo. It took some time for them to realize that his, predicted, his ability to predict what was going to happen was his fastball. But that took a little bit of time, didn't it?
3: Jason, you're right. And it's easy to forget that. You know, you give a, a dog a good name, everybody wants to add to it. But in the beginning, Romo wasn't good. He mumbled. His voice was kind of funny. He would go up and down. He would uh, stumble over uh, Nance. And I think Nance, as you and Ross uh, accurately point out, is really the secret weapon here. I mean, he's one of the all-time play-by-play announcers. And he was willing to put his ego aside and make Romo the star to help Romo develop into what he became by the end of the first season. And by the end of his second season, I mean, that uh, AFC championship game between the Patriots and the Chiefs. I don't know if you remember uh, how they uh, they called that game. But to me, that was nearly a perfect broadcast. I mean, if I was CBS, I would have said, you won $10 million? Here it is, 10 million a year right after that game.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're talking with Michael McCarthy, uh, who's a senior writer for front office sport. Check him out. On Twitter at M McCarthy, R E V been reading his stuff for years, going back USA today, sports illustrated, et cetera. I wanted to dive into Michael the XFL because I've been following their ratings. I'm obviously, you know, very curious. I guess the question I have is what ratings do they need to maintain? I know they've dropped every week so far, but about what level do they need to maintain for them to really be able to monetize this a year from now with advertising and for this to be a sustainable business? Because I'm just curious if we know or have an idea of sort of what the magic number has to be. Yeah.
3: Ross, I would put it at 1 million plus per week. Uh, in week three, they averaged 1.6 million. Uh, now that's down 48% from 3.1 million in the first week. So in the space of two weeks, they'd lost half their audience. That's worrisome. That's very worrisome. That's kind of uh, going along the way of the original XFL and of course the late unlamented AAF. But having said that in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is King, right? What else is on TV? that can get that kind of numbers. You know, baseball hasn't started yet. They're up against college basketball. So, you know, if if they can maintain in the one million one point five million range, I think ESPN and Fox and the advertisers will be happy.
1: The question is, Mike, will they maintain that? Because for me, the, the product is second rate as compared to the NFL. And, and in a way, you know, they obviously can't compete head to head with the NFL. But in a way, the fact that it starts immediately after the Super Bowl, it for me is not a great time to start because. I'm ready for a little tiny break from football. And when I do the side-by-side comparison a week later or 10 days later from the Super Bowl to the XFL, it doesn't hold up. So it doesn't hook me initially. So can they maintain that you know, that one million-plus audience? And why hasn't it worked in the past and why is it going to work now? What's the difference?
3: Can they maintain it? I mean, I'm going to go with history and say no. Uh, You know, you show me a spring football league that has worked and, you know, I'll give you a million dollars. I mean, every one of them has gone belly up. So, I mean, if I'm going to follow history, I'm going to say, no, they're not going to maintain it. You know what I mean? The the numbers are heading downwards. Uh, And I think you and Ross have uh, hit upon a point that nobody's really realized. There was an internal debate within the XFL about when to launch. There were some people within the XFL that wanted to launch much later. For exactly the reason that Jason is describing that it comes literally within a week of the Super Bowl. But what from what I'm hearing Vince McMahon has always had it in his head that he wanted to launch the Sunday after the Saturday after the Super Bowl, and that's what we got.
0: So, my question about the XFL, Michael is, what have you thought of the broadcast so far? And we know from the first iteration of the XFL, a bunch of that stuff made its way into the NFL. What have you thought about the broadcast so far, the access, the microphones, et cetera? And what, if anything, do you think the NFL will adopt? Ross, I I think actually the broadcast and the productions have been better than the game on the
3: field. Uh, You know, ESPN and Fox have thrown top, top talent at this. Uh, the productions are terrific. I love the mic up access to players i mean i 've always thought that audio is the last frontier. You know the cameras and everything are so good now that the last frontier really on t v is to really hear the players and uh being able to go to a player right on the field you know right after they throw a touchdown and or miss a field goal as Pat McAfee did is amazing uh, I think uh Ross is absolutely right i mean uh, the NFL just sat back and picked up a lot of informa- uh, innovation from the original NFL, uh, XFL, including the Skycam. I think, uh, you know, this time around, you'll see more access uh, to players on the sidelines where they haven't been uh, allowed before. And I think you'll, you'll see them pick up, Ross, this whole audio revolution that this new XFL is uh, doing.
1: Hey, Mike. Um... One of the things I'm really curious about is, in my opinion, they've really perfected the way television brings you football. It's, it's done so well. HDTV, we talked about Romo and a lot of the great announcers and just the presentation of the game is tremendous. And some of the other sports, there's a little lacking there because the, the drop off from the live experience is so dramatic to the at home experience. Whether that's if you feel that's the NHL or NBA, even golf to some extent um, it does well on television, but uh, there's still some things that they could probably do better, and Fox is trying to do that now as well. But what sport could, needs to be improved from the live experience the most to the at home experience that would help the sport grow and garner better ratings?
3: I think it's hockey. Uh, you know, everybody has always said this that, you know, hockey is great in person. And it's uh, bad on TV, and I think that's still true. I mean, I took my 16-year-old daughter to her first hockey game, Christina, the other day, and she was just amazed at the speed and the hitting and the beauty of the game up close, which she wasn't getting at home. Uh, So I think it's hockey. Uh, On the other hand, I think, you know, football – is the most perfect sport ever invented for television. The late, great Frank Gifford told me, you know, you meet, you have 22 players on the screen at one time at the snap. You've got natural breaks to go to the bathroom, get a sandwich. It's just the most perfect sport ever invented for television.
0: Wrapping up here with Michael McCarthy from frontofficesport.com, at mmccarthyrev on Twitter. Michael, where are we with the streaming stuff and with these TV deals. There's been so much talk with the CBA that the NFL wants to get the CBA done now because it will impact the TV deals and I'm assuming the streaming deals. So the question is, do you believe that that whether or not there's a new CBA would have a big impact on these TV deals? And I saw a report up from Pro Football Talk I don't know where they got the number of $3.2 billion more per year in TV deals. Is that realistic?
3: It is realistic, Ross. I mean, I think some of these deals are literally going to double. Uh, the NFL has a fantastic story to tell. I mean, most of the, the most watched telecasts on TV now are the NFL. It's the single most valuable property in prime time. Uh, in terms of the streaming deals, you know what I mean? And, and all this talk about, oh, Amazon's going to come in and YouTube and Google. And da, 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 da. You know, and I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, the NFL is still broadcast driven. And I think that the fact that they embrace broadcast TV is really paying off for them, because when you look at leagues that are primarily cable TV, such as the NBA, they're having ratings problems due to court cutting. So uh, I, I really think the NFL is going to stick with broadcast tv as far as the streaming portion of it ross i think we're still one negotiation away they're, they're going to do this round of deals it's going to last seven or eight years and
0: then maybe seven or eight years down the road then we'll see the streaming take off michael mccarthy michael before you go can you tell the folks about front office sports that might not be oh, I'd,
3: I'd love to we're the fastest growing publisher at the intersection of sports and business. We have a must read free daily newsletter and a website. We have a shot callers video series where we uh, interview folks such as yourself who are big names in the business, both in front of and behind the camera. And uh, we're growing like, we're growing like gangbusters. It's a real rocket ship.
0: Awesome. Great to hear Michael. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you guys. I really enjoyed it. All right. There he is. Michael McCarthy, does a terrific job with TV in sports. Interesting, Jason, on a lot of levels. It is crazy how much money the NFL is going to get. You know, these new TV deals are reportedly gonna be at least 3.2 billion more per year, which is more. <laughs> um yeah, which is a hundred million dollars per team. And even if you just look at the latest deal, right? Where there's 55 players. If they, if they, if the NFL players approve of the CBA, there'll be 55 guys on a roster. If you add that 3.2 billion, and let's just say the players are getting 48.5% of that, I think they actually get 55% of the TV revenue, but let's just say 48.5%. That's 1.552 billion. So, with 55 players, that's an extra $880,000 per player per year. $880,000. Now, listen, yeah. that money goes into the cap. Some of it goes to benefits. Some of it goes to cash on the cap. And it's not like they go there and they give 880 dollars each guy, right? Tom Brady and the guys get their fair share. Uh, but still, that is a lot of money that I would not want to mess with.
1: Yeah, they're not handing it out to you like a per diem envelope uh, when when you get off the bus in in Cleveland for a road game, right? Here's your per diem, 880 grand. Don't spend it all in one place.
0: (laughs) All right, so we haven't That's crazy money, though. Yeah, so we haven't really gotten into yet what we think the best and worst sports are on television and why. But we also only represent a seven-year time frame. I'll be 41 Monday. You're 47. We are guys in our 40s, which, man, that just feels old even to say. Uh, But we do have a bunch of millennials that work on the show. So we're going to be joined by a couple of them right now to get their opinion. We have a millennial (laughs) round-robin table. That is Dylan Burns.
2: Uh, He is a
0: Dolphins, Knicks fan. Um, Slacker.
2: Yeah, so uh, the the channel, not the uh, work ethic.
0: All right, so Dylan, let's start with this. Okay, okay, so explain that. You're an avid slacker, so explain that.
2: I'm just messing with you. So behind the scenes of this show, we have our thread that we have our conversations with concerning guests and topics and things like that. And you guys are just so compelling all the time that I like to give my opinion more often than not in the Slack channel. And that really only results in Ross telling me to shut up
0: like three or four times
2: (laughs) a week and three or four times a day.
0: All right, so so you've heard our conversation so far. What, if anything, are we missing from your perspective?
2: (sighs) Definitely announcers impact the game. And there's actually like... So there's this thing in in millennial culture that's like a subculture. It's called cancel culture, right? And so a lot of times somebody will say something or do something that like a big, large group of people don't like. And so they'll say, so-and-so is canceled, right? So I would say the top four people who are canceled to young generations of sports watchers, people hate Joe Buck. People hate Dick Vitale. People hate... Uh, Marv Albert and those are probably the top three and they don't like when Bill Walton goes off on his ranch they don't enjoy he's a type of dandy baby from Dick Vitale anymore and they just think Joe Buck hates his team so announcers definitely impact a lot of the sports watching for millennials and I think ever since the red zone came around too nobody really enjoys watching one game on CBS unless it's important and it's their team okay so yeah, that was gonna be my
1: that, next yeah, go ahead, Jason. Like, I can't watch six games. Like, I like the rhythm of one game, and I'll keep up to date on my phone on what's going on in the other games. But like, seriously, like, like you guys, I-, I feel like I'm such an old turd right now. Going, are uh, you guys? But like, you seriously would rather watch Red Zone than the rhythm of one football game? Absolutely, absolutely,
2: 100. Holy especially shit, you guys are crazy. You know how good it makes me feel when I see somebody on my team score a touchdown? I need to have that information in front of me all the time, every second of of every Sunday.
0: So, Dylan, almost everybody in in your generation grew up with having the red zone the whole time. And you guys all watch the red zone. Is it fair to say that most people you know your age just watch the red zone? 100%, unless I'm out at the bar on a Sunday and we got multiple
2: TVs of one game, which is essentially the red zone. Uh, Yeah, Uh, me every other 20-something-year-old is watching red zone.
0: So how has that affected you watching other sports or even just watching the Sunday night game or the Monday night or Thursday night game? Sure.
2: If there's a big game, like Jason talked about it earlier, if there's a big game, then like Buck and Aikman are on it, right? Like, then you know that's a big game, and more often than not, I'll probably watch that game and flip to the red zone or something along those lines. But I think it's different. Like, fo- like no other sport has the red zone. It's so freaking compelling. It's literally, like, the best thing to happen to TV since, like, the addition of color. Like, the red zone is phenomenal. I-, I don't know what it is about watching multiple games and only watching the touchdowns, but I don't have the time to sit there to watch, like, three and out after three and out. I don't care. I do not care. Well,
1: what if your team's playing
2: they don't,
1: are they you don't. still watching red? Zone? You don't have a team. <laughs> so it's like, I wonder the, the effect of fandom because if you're watching red zone all the time, like you don't watch your team go three and out and suck and then have this great quarter and the ebbs and flows of a game, you know, like Ross, one of the things that's great about sports is like momentum changes and, and on the red zone, it's always the team with momentum scoring. So it's like right. you don't feel the momentum shift in a game and you know how a coach tries to recapture momentum or a certain player with a big hit. You guys just see like you know like for, like it's like watching the end of a porno. You always get the end scene, you know what I mean? Like you, you never see any of the build up and any of the you know the fun stuff. Well,
2: that's all the best parts and you don't get all the crap that's in between the best parts, right? Who wants to watch the part where they go to the single shot of the reason you're not tuned in to watch said porno? All
0: right, let's wow. move on this discussion. Well, you know, I was I was like, on let's let's <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's move on that discussion a little bit. Hey, hey, can I can I make a point real quick? Yes.
4: All right, I don't know if you can see me. Hey, long time no How see, you guys.
0: Hey, this guy, by the way, his name's Jordan Cohn. He averaged 20 points a game Ah. in intramural college hoops. 20. No, from two days
4: ago, Ross. Um, But uh, yeah. So, so the point that I would make is that like our culture, and I feel like you guys can appreciate this too. It's just like so much faster moving. I went to a talk where everyone is constantly like walking to and from places. Like fast food is like a perfect you know, definition of that. And, like, Ross, you know, once you get off the show, you're on a call and then you're moving somewhere else, going down on a plane to announce another game. It's, like, a lot of what we can't do is, like, sit through a whole baseball game instead streaming and, like, watching highlights. Like, we literally get notifications on our phone if our team scores a run, and that's kind of what, like, epitomizes Red Zone as well. It's, like, the quick flashes at the action because we don't have time to watch, like, it's it kind of sounds snobby, like we don't have time for this, but that's just kind of what uh, what our culture is like. I don't know. That's... I
1: don't have time for that. All right. So does anybody, does drop. anybody,
0: your, uh, does anybody your age, watch like buy cable or do you guys all stream it? And wh- how do you stream it?
4: Me and my roommates are actually moving in tomorrow, and we opted not to get table uh, cable, so. So, how are you
0: going to watch the games?
4: Uh, probably through getting it on our laptop and hooking it up to the TV that way. Or there's like, what is it called? Roku? Yeah. It's like Roku, another, stream. it's right? another streaming service. Yeah. But like cable, it's like a fire stick. There's no point in getting cable. There's like legitimately zero logical reason for me to invest in cable right now.
2: And with all the websites well,
4: too, Ross and Jason, like
2: you could just Google, watch the Jets bills game live and a stream will come up like it's that easy to get anything you want
0: yeah but then every once in a while there'll be an issue with the stream and and or nowadays i hear you got to get netflix you got to get youtube you got to get this one you got to get that one and by the time you're done it costs more than cable tv anyway all right
2: i'm coming in this discussion as a seasoned millennial i have cable um i think the sports product on the streaming isn't there yet i want all my games i want all my channels and want to know guaranteed that when i sit down on my couch i'm gonna have no issues watching sunday night football it's that
1: simple yeah that's why i keep it too because i'm afraid i'm not gonna be able to watch something
2: right like for right now like i'm from chicago I, i live in philly now of course and the bears are sometimes on philly fox sometimes not and finding a steady stream to watch that game on a Sunday, it's hard.
0: Yep, and you know what? I've been reading up about it. No matter what streaming service you use, they're missing something. Of course. So they might have, like, ESPN and stuff, but then they don't have NFL Network. Or right. they might yeah. have NFL Network, but they don't have something else. So, uh, interesting. All right, well, I appreciate it, millennials. <laughs> you got we- it. We want to get the millennials what we want to get into though when we get back are a couple things jay number one the ask reddit question is epic today i mean epic number two we still haven't really gotten into ranking the sports based on in person versus television we'll do both those things and talk with jimmy Traina who does a great job covering sports on television a little bit later in the show as well. It's Home and Home, a Radio.com Sports original. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 830 to 1030 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash Home.